Welcome, Knicks fans, to episode 51 of the Worldwide Knicks podcast. Full house in the building tonight. Uh, Omar, Alex, Rafa here. Guys, hope you guys are having a great night, great weekend. Happy New Year to you guys and to Knicks fans alike. But I do want to introduce somebody else to the pod. We have a special guest tonight, uh, Doug Burns or Doug B from Knicks Twitter. If you're on Knicks Twitter and interacting with fans all over places, graced us with his presence to talk a little bit about this team that went one and two on a Texas road trip. Doug, how are you doing tonight, my man? I'm feeling really good. I had a wonderful New Year's Eve. I, I played with my band in, in Midtown in the heart of all the craziness in New York City. Um, just had some time chilling with family before then. Unfortunately, witnessed some really brutal losses when I was staying at my mother-in-law's house for a couple of days. But other than that, you know, we got a decent win last night to put to put uh put us in a good mood for New Year's Eve. So so I'm chilling. I'm excited for a new year. I'm excited for a new year of Knicks basketball. Yeah, I mean, as we all are, because we're we're sadists, masochists, you know, the whole thing, <laughs> we, gluttons for punishment, the whole nine. Yeah. Um, but before we kind of jump into the topics here, I kind of wanted to ask you, like we ask all of our guests, just how you got into the team, uh, you know, some moments that you kind of really drove your fandom for the Knicks. Uh, well, I first got in, I was born and raised in New York City on the Upper West Side, um, and I used to go to games as a little kid. Um, and my brother was a fan when we were growing up. He's not a fan anymore. He wisened up. He moved to California. He gave up. Um, but he gave me the bug. And we we used to listen, you know, on the radio after our parents would make us go to sleep. You know, we would listen to the, the ends of games. And we would be all in for the playoff runs in the Ewing, Oakley, Mason, you know, Derek Harper, Starks era. Um, and that really got me hooked. And then I got, kind of got in my teenage years, I got a little, more, a little more into music, a little less focused on the team. And then when I was in college, like in 2006, seven, for whatever reason, I they, they had cable where I lived in college and I just got re-hooked. For some reason, Quentin Richardson and Al Harrington like and Nate Robinson all really spoke to me at that point in my life. And I was back. And, and you know, now I'm looking up that's, I don't want to think about how long that's been, 14, 15 years. I've been, once again, a diehard, all 82 games, massive, massive fan of this team. So uh, it's it's in my blood to love the game, uh, and it's in my blood to love the New York Knicks because I love New York. Yeah, the, those guys were fun, though, Harrington and Richardson and Robinson. I mean, yeah. those are just, yeah. like, fun guys to watch, especially, you know, we're all younger. Yeah, I feel like we're all around that same age range, you know. And, and yeah, so – it's always fun to kind of think about what got us into it. You know, the, the glory days, so to speak, uh, mm -hmm, whatever your glory mm -hmm. days might be. Mm -hmm. um, but with that out of the way, let's kind of jump right in. Um, the team, like I mentioned, went one and two on this uh, Texas road trip with losses to Dallas, which we'll get into more detail in a little bit here, and San Antonio and a win on New Year's Eve against uh, Houston. But one of the big things that have really been plaguing the team all year is this free throw shooting. And we've talked about it before, Alex Rafa, about missing free throws down the stretch. We've seen Jalen Brunson miss some, Julius, RJ, Quentin Grimes miss a bunch of free throws. So I guess, uh, Doug, we started off with you. I mean, do you really look at this as a, a huge systemic problem? Is, there, is it just like bad shooting in the moment? How do you uh, just take a look at this uh, poor free throw shooting down the stretch for the team? The way the way that I see things with the New York Knicks in general is that it's there's such um, 
they're so prone to momentum, either negatively or positively. Um, that's why we got rolling on that eight-game winning streak. And there was a lot of – like, for instance, Julius Randle made six straight free throws to in our biggest win of the year against uh, Indiana. And that was a bona fide win against a fully healthy playoff team, in my opinion. Um, so we were on a roll. And then it's so quick and easy with all the pressure of of our fan base – and of this jersey and of the history of this team and a coach like Tom Thibodeau, who is constantly yelling and screaming and micromanaging. I have my, a lot of issues with him. Um, it puts a lot of pressure on these guys. Um, so that's why I, I was more understanding about Quentin Grimes missing those big free throws than I wanted was about Jalen Brunson, but I really don't think it's a reps thing because clearly RJ Barrett has spent a lot of the summer working on his free throws and he's, he's, almost an 80% shooter. I'm saying that off the top of my head. I don't have the number in front of me, but he he's much improved from the line. Um, so to me, when people are like, they better get in the gym and shoot a hundred, you know, a thousand free throws after the game. I don't really think the reps are the issue. I think it's more the, the vibe, the environment and the pressure of the situations that they put themselves in um, that causes them to get the yips and being a Nick requires getting over the being a successful winning Nick, which is very difficult to do requires getting over the yips. And it, it, it's, it's, you know, I can't put a more specific explanation for it than that. It's, it's very um, mercurial. It's very, uh, it's a very intangible factor about being a player on this team. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of agree with that, uh, Doug, the, um, I think we we've talked a lot recently about you know the lack of the lack of stars in this team, um, the lack of somebody that coming down the stretch is just going to take hold of a game and just going to see us home, you know. And I think there's a lot to that, and um, I think in the inconsistency as well. I mean, it, there's a lot of fans been shouting all year about you know play the kids, you know bring all these young guys in, but with if if you play these kids, which is great, you know to see them playing, but with that kind of team, you're going to get inconsistency. You're going to get uh, inexperience in crunch time and times where the pressure is just immense, you know, and anytime you play in New York, it's it's just, it's, it's multiplied. So I, I think there's just a lot of that going on at the moment. I don't think there's a huge amount to it other than that. I think the, you know, there was a lot of those crunch time three throws that like McBride and Grimes were taking, mm. you know, guys that have, you know, had hardly anything like that in their career so far, and uh, I think it's just growing pains with them. Um, but I mean, it's it's good to get in that experience. But some of these ones are going to go some way, one way, and some of them are going to go another way. I mean, we've had some close wins uh, earlier in the season as well, so you know they can do it. Um, but yeah, just some some horrific losses in the last uh, last week, but. I think we just got to roll with the punches at the moment. It's just um, I said at the end of the winning streak. I said, look, just be careful. There's 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 quite possibly going to be a seven game losing streak on just around the corner. You know, you just it's just the Knicks. It's uh, see the inexperienced team. Um, I think that's that's always going to be a kind of up and down kind of season. Five hundred team, right? It's. It is what it is. Yeah, and, uh, Omar talked about it last week. How wow, it's we're a five hundred team. This is what I believe in. Well, it's it's what happened. The free throws. I uh, we're talking about the free throws. I remember the thing. It was uh, they were talking about uh, how uh, Shaquille O'Neal was a, a notable free throw uh, brick thrower. Um, he was talking about it, and he was like, "I was at the gym. If I shot a uh, thousand free throws, I could have hit all of them." 
I went into the game to the arena, nothing nothing dropped. So it's I agree with what Doug was saying about repetition. It's like it's the moment, and uh, I alluded to this last week as well, and how we uh we get into those situations a bit tired, maybe running out of legs. Not only the free throws weren't uh, dropping, but some shots were getting uh, uh, barely hitting the rim. It's not like uh, they were too strong; they were too weak. So it's all of the uh, all of the above, and the pressure of winning in New York as well um, kind of effect. But it's growing pains, like uh, uh, Alex alluded to. I I think I, I trust Grimes will hit the free throws down the line or hit big shots. Uh, Grimes couldn't can uh, Grimes Deuce McBride can't hit a shot from the three point line, but hit hit it, hit those free throws and kept us in the game until Luca was well, Luca, Luca. and mm-hmm. uh, don't that that game man, that, uh, my God, forget to it, man. But the free throws are <laughs> dude, it's but the free throws are uh, have been an issue not only this year, last year we lost so many games because of the free throws, like missing twelve or fifteen free throws a game, like. We lost by two, missed 15 free throws. Come on. It's like you you need to hit those uh shots in uh in order to 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 win. Obviously, if uh Julian Brunson could have uh hit uh hit eight free throws, but he missed those two, so we were going to look at those two he he missed. It's obviously a crunch time, the pressure is in is on, especially after that uh, trash talk from DeMar DeRozan, and he misses a free throw. It's it was a uh it, it's it sticks out, but we have been better free throw shooting uh, all around. Uh, even Mitch with those uh, shot with he shoots he bricks at the, the the rim and sometimes he hits them. It's amazing. He um, looks like he's trying to do what yeah. Doncic did. You know the the you know the intentional intentional every time. <laughs> it's not gonna spill. Just hoping it goes in. Uh, you, you know what I loved? I loved in the in the Spurs game, which was my least favorite game of those three games, just from the stance of like we should have freaking won that game. I loved watching So Sohan shoot one-handed, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I, I like that. There's a player in this league that can be like, okay, I don't care how I look. I'm a solution based. I'm, it, and it, it comes from B of like playing for Greg Popovich. It's like it, it, there's if there's a solution that's going to make you better. We we're that's what we're going to do. And I, I it also reminded me of Anthony Mason. Speaking of our of our youth, <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that was cool. And I wonder, I wonder what Mitch would let, ever try like a different approach to his technique. But he's actually starting to hit more, you know, since he's he had that really rough stretch of like just slamming those balls off the front rim. Um, do, but do you remember the? Uh, sorry, Raf, I was just gonna say, do you remember the Robin Lopez one um, a few years ago? Where he started standing sideways, and then he would ask, was it was it Robin Lopez, and he and he, he used to ask somebody what he said something like what what have you got or or something. He he always said the same thing, and then he turned around and shot, and it, it worked really well. <laughs> he just had this really weird kind of routine before he started every three throw, and it just seemed to work. So whatever works, man. You could take twenty minutes, like Giannis. Whatever works. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know, sl- slowly but surely, that free throw is going up from Giannis. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, like, uh, Rafa, you alluded to this last week. Like, we talk about this team being a young team. Young teams, yeah. you know, cave under the pressure, man. That's what happens when you're a team that's entire rotation is twenty eight years old and younger, filled with a bunch of twenty two year old guys, and. You know, that, that's going to happen. The one that surprised me, honestly, was Brunson. You know, Brunson's been in playoff games. Yeah. You know, that, that was the one that kind of surprised me. But that speaks a little bit more, I think, Rafa, to your dead legs comment, right? 
where these guys are just like, it's the pressure of the moment. And he feels pressure because he was like the big free agent acquisition coming here. And, you know, it just, it just gets to them. Um, you would hope that eventually they would uh, get out of it and, you know, get more comfortable in those moments. And I think they will. I think as they play, continue to play meaningful basketball later in the year, if they're going to be hovering around 500, they'll be in the play and mix with the way the East looks right now. And, you know, I think uh, we'll see them knock those down. I think we'll see Grimes knock those down. We'll see uh, RJ and uh, all these other guys knock them down more consistently in winning time, right, in the fourth quarter. And, uh, and quickly, who, who quickly, of course, has always been very good since he yes, was a rookie. Yes. You know, he's a, a I'll tell you, man, he's with uh, Jalen now. He's looked pretty good. You know, he's, he's uh, certainly has. He certainly yeah, has. He's uh, looked incredibly competent, you know, <laughs> and, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then some. Confidence is not his uh, his problem. Uh, never, it never, never, never has been anywhere. He doesn't care. Well, shoot is shoot. Shoot is shoot. And he, shoot. Shoot. he shoots a lot. He does shoot yeah. a lot. Uh, all right. So let's uh, move on to this Dallas game that we're, we've been alluding to a couple of times now. Guys, this is a really bad loss. Um, team is up nine with 35 seconds to go. Reminds me of that old Reggie Miller playoff game, you know, mm. where he scores a bunch of points in like 10 seconds. And, you know, the funny thing Reggie is McGregor. the stat that came out. Yeah, right. Or like T-Mac, right? Uh, the funny thing is that stat that came out that in that situation, up nine, 35 seconds to go, teams were down that deficit were 0 and 13,884. So that's crazy. And then, of course. Where's the door, they- man? <laughs> they forced the the game to overtime. Uh, one of the ugliest OT sessions I've ever seen. Uh, I oh, think it was terrible. Nobody man. made a free a field oh, goal gosh. until like two minutes left or so. So, yeah, my question for you guys is: Is this one one of, or maybe it is the worst loss you've watched as a Knicks fan? For me, it's not the worst loss just by virtue of the fact that it's a road game against the best player in the league, in my opinion, um, in the middle of the season, in this sort of like first half of the season. The Not context around game, it right. makes it better. Right. Now, that being said, I don't think there are, any, there, there are any other sports fans in the world <clears throat> that ascribe meaning to the number 13,884. But I'm never going to forget that number for the rest of my life. And the improbability of screwing it up is so astronomical and insane to me. And to be honest with you, I put the blame 100% on Tom Thibodeau. I don't put the blame on any of the guys that were actually on the floor because Tom Thibodeau had two chances. The way I look at it is this. There are about 11 or 12 different situations in the last 30 seconds of this game that if they had gone the Knicks way instead of Dallas's way, we win just one or two of those going our way instead of their way. We win. Now, two of those situations were completely in Tom Thibodeau's control. The, the, the first one was when Grimes got trapped with, with that ridiculous jump ball call. I don't understand why Tom Thibodeau is not racing up the sideline, calling a timeout. You saw Greg Popovich called a timeout when the Knicks tra- were down seven and trapped. I forget who had the ball. Maybe it was Stanley Johnson, but they they trapped. What well, the very first thing Popovich does is he steps up and calls timeout. 
Like, like he's, you know, it's it, the situation didn't surprise him. And a veteran coach like Tom Thibodeau should not be taken off guard by a situation like that. And, and of course, then, the, you know, the other thing that we can Monday morning, you know, quarterback or coach Tom Thibodeau about is not is not sending all your rebounders out when Luca was about to intentionally miss that second free throw. To to me, getting that re- with 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 how shaky this team is and how that seed of doubt like creeps into their minds in, in clutch situations, like you need to take more control of the situation if you're Tom Thibodeau and be like, let's get the ball in our hands and guarantee ourselves a possession right now. Let's put Jericho Sims out there and and make sure the ball is in our hands to close this game. Uh, and he wasn't able to do that. And I, I, I put the blame squarely on him. Um, and yeah, we're bound to make mistakes that, like I said, doubt is the biggest, is the biggest obstacle for this team succeeding, especially because they're so young. So that's my analysis of, of, of it was Tom Tibbs could have prevented uh, that one in 13,000. 884 situation luckily for you doug we have a uh, tom Thibodeau apologist on this podcast so <laughs> let's talk about it let's talk, talk about, about it, it alex what you got no no i was about to start off exactly uh, like, go, like that let's go but, grab a beer <laughs> uh, no I, I i can't disagree with anything you said there doug um yeah no he has he has to take a big uh big part of the blame for for those last 30 seconds or so i didn't actually when i was watching it, i didn't actually realize it was that like um that much time left as in as in a small amount of time left it just seemed to and I, I, I just in the moment I was so so kind of invested in the game I was so uh, focused on the game I didn't realize that just the crazy amount of uh, the deficit that they got back in such a short space of time I just didn't it just didn't kind of compute for, with me for some reason but yeah no I mean I agree with the, the certainly the rebounding thing was that it was really bizarre um um, you know, seeing Grimes up there trying to kind of half half in the air, trying to kind of grab the ball, and it, to be fair, he should have got the ball. I mean, that's not, you know, it was a it was a fairly straightforward rebound, but they, they did just kind of make a mess of it. But he shouldn't have even been in that situation. Exactly. Um. um so, yeah, Thibodeau's got got to take um, responsibility for that. And I know <clears throat> he's probably wanting to get his you know his young guys experience in these kind of situations, but. Yeah, you've got you've got to just you know realize the situation and um, you know know that if there's one if there's one player that's going to get them back into that game, then Doncic is the man. You know he's he's the guy that just breaks records left, right, and every single day. You know, so um, you know that situation is just made up for him. So yeah, he's got to recognize that and just and just kind of close it out. So um, yeah, I can't I can't disagree with you as much as I'd love to. Um, and the whole tips apologist thing, I'd just like to point out. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just feel that he gets he gets a ridiculous amount of unnecessary hatred. Do you know? I mean, it's uh, you know he's as I've said a million times, he's not perfect, and you know I'm I'm more than willing you know to move on from him at the end of the season or something, but. Uh, what I don't like is, you know, people just wanting to, to fire him just with no backup plan, you know, because mm. the, one of the major problems with the Knicks over the last, well, million years um, <laughs> is that, you know, they've just been pissing in the wind with players, with coaches, with back office, you know, it's just like, well, that doesn't seem to be working. So let's just throw it away and try something else. Surely something else will be better than this. 
And that's just not the way to run an organization. So we've got a, an experienced coach. As I said, he's not a perfect coach. He's a very, very good coach, if not a great coach, uh, you know, over his the course of his career. Um, he just deserves a little bit more kind of uh, respect, I think. So that's it. It's just a wee bit more of an apologist rather than, you know, just an outright stand of Tom Dibro, you know. So I just always feel like he deserves a wee bit more, <laughs> a wee bit more backing uh, from certain people. So. I seem to always be the one that they always be the one that uh, has to do it. So <laughs> that's all it is. I mean, he makes he makes decisions that work out quite well. Like the shortening yeah. of the rotation was a good decision. Yeah. Um, but then the, the the snafus with him are the inflexibility, the stubbornness. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. when when guys go down, I mean, you you knew when that rotation was cooking. It's like all it takes is one injury, and this ecosystem is is off. Yeah, so that's always been my issue with him. And and and. It's also like classic Nick's like putting yourself in these like logical um, pretzels where it's like we can't play Cam Reddish for some inexplicable reason. I, you know, you knew you guys all knew this was going to come up at some point. Um, but those are the issues I have with Tom Thibodeau and with the Knicks in general is it's like, you know, w- with all the turnover that happens in the front office over the years, like you got to have these guys come in and then they're very loyal to their people. And then there's people outside of their circle that come in players or, or other members of the organization that come in and it's like, okay, well we can't, we're, we're not open-minded enough because we have our program going in a certain direction. And, you know, my opinion, Cam Reddish should have been playing these last three games. Um, and that's another thing I'll take away from Tibbs, but, but the effort is there night after night. Um, and he did make some adjustments that I didn't expect him to make earlier this season. So I will give him credit for that. So that game against Dallas, I can't, I understand, but when you lose like that, you need to blame everyone. You can't say it's Tibbs or it's that player. Man, up by nine, 35 seconds. You can blame Tibbs. You can blame the players for not making free throws, for not grabbing rebounds, for poor defensive possessions. Mm-hmm. You can blame the refs for shit calls. Uh, that I mean, <laughs> Mitch blocked someone clean. The free throw line, they scored two. That's that's the game right there. That that block, that's the game right there. So we can we can blame all all over the, the we can share the they all can share the blame. They can all break benches in benches in in the, the locker room with Julius <laughs> Randle. Man, uh, I would break benches too. By the way, um, but it's like to to Alex's point about playing the kid, well, the kids being out there and learning. I mean, both Grimes and McBride will not lose another rebound like that anymore because they they went they went to the the, the rebound, but it's like. In a situation like that, dude, put the elbows out. You're grabbing the rebound with the elbows out. Doesn't matter who it is. That's your ball. Box and they the went there, but yeah, I mean, it's they need to. They will learn from that experience, and like I believe Grimes will learn from the free throws as well. It's like those situations will stay with you. Next time you're out there, you'll remember and you'll say, "Okay, I'll need to do better than this." Mm. Because it's a, it's a, it was a collective thing. Tibbs could have caught it, call, uh, called a timeout. Uh, they could have hit one free throw, one free throw, all it, it took more. So there's a lot of stuff that could uh, uh, could have been different in that game. It, uh, it, I was sick at home this week. And so watching that game at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., whatever it was, <laughs> losing like that, it was 
it was so bad. I was like, oh my God, what the fuck am I doing with my life? It, it was one, <laughs> one of those kind of moments. Yeah. Why? Why am I a Knicks fan at 4 a.m. watching this team lose a game like this? Like it's hey, at least I get I get to see Lucas score 60 points or whatever, 60, Yay. 20, and 10. Hey, it's so great. <laughs> Fuck. I get to so see that. I get to not see so dude, it's it, it, all the rec- I didn't even know when when uh, uh Will Chamberlain scored a hundred points. Was it was on the Knicks. Yeah. Like, dude, can we please have the player for the Knicks do that? Like, please, one, just one. I don't know. Uh, but Preach. I go into different directions. That was Preach. that was the point I, that I took away from it, Rafa. Was why does history always happen against the Knicks? Why does Steph Curry break his three point record against the Knicks? Why does Luka drop sixty, twenty, and ten against us? Why does the number thirteen thousand eight hundred eighty four happen against us? Why does Will <laughs> score a hundred against us? Right? It's it's yeah. just funny how that seems to work out. It's like cursed always, right? And that's mm-hmm. just the way it goes. Uh, to your point, you guys all made good points about it. Me, typically, in regular season games especially, I try not to get too high or too low. But this game had me, like, pacing around my apartment, like, just yelling at my TV, wanting them to just execute down the stretch, make a free throw, get a defensive stop, the rebounding thing. You know, why is why are you not having your rebounders in there when Jason Kidd is throwing his rebound rebounders in there? You saw McGee come in you know, for that last, uh, last free throw. So it's an incredibly frustrating loss, you know, and yeah, that was really like, the, and you could try and go silver linings, be like, well, RJ left it 90 seconds into the game. You're playing without Brunson. You're down Obi Toppin as well. And you, you could kind of talk yourself into that, but then it's it becomes a thing. Well, why are these guys so gassed? Well, because the coach was refusing to play uh, Cam Reddish any minutes you know, refusing to kind of expand the rotation because who knows what's going on if they're trying to make sure he doesn't get an injury for a trade or they got something lined up. Who knows when it comes to Cam? And, you know, we've seen Evan Fournier get some minutes in the past couple games because of that as well. But, but yeah, it's uh, it's one of those losses. Like, you shouldn't get so mad about a regular season loss, but there's so many elements to it that make you get mad. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's just, yeah, that's it's just so, such a frustrating. And Luca's Luca, like he's dropping fifty, like it's nothing, almost on a nightly basis. It seems like he has to for right. them to win. He yeah. has to for that team to win. They're not they're not a well constructed team. That's another thing that's really frustrating about it. It's like all you need to do is make Luca do all the work, and remember that Christian Wood can shoot threes really, really well. That's it. That's yeah. really all you have to do. <laughs> and. and it's he just gives really me a lot of Houston Harden vibes, man. Just like Definitely. this heliocentric offense with a guy with a 40% usage rate mm-hmm. who could get fouls, get hit threes, take it inside. Obviously, Luke is a much higher functioning version of Harden, but uh, it, that's what it is. It's just, um, yeah, we'll see how, how they go as time goes on, but he's going to be putting up ridiculous numbers and obviously he's going to be in the MVP conversation as long as they keep on winning games. Um, Can I just say something real quick before we move on? I think the the NBA needs to institute a standard of fingernail length, and they need to have these officials <laughs> check everybody's hands, hands for every game. Because I'm not trying to have RJ Barrett get Wolverine and then we miss him out, you know, for five six games. It's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's another ridiculous <clears throat> stroke of terrible luck that RJ Barrett cut his finger. And now he's missing five six games. Crazy. Cut how, your nails, Luca. How do you how do you cut a guy's 
finger into the bone with the, the nail. It was deep. It was bad. Bone showing up. It's a nail. What the hell? What are you wearing, man? Jesus. I was like, what the fuck is it was wrong with this guy? Got metal in the armband, you know, metal in the shooter <laughs> sleeve. You know, it's uh that's that's what's happening. Well that's oh very pro it's a very professional wrestling situation. Yeah, you know? yeah, it's definitely like the, the brass knucks out of the trunks or something, you know. <laughs> uh, oh, funny God. funny you guys brought up the RJ thing, so which leads us into our next topic here, which is injury concerns. So right now, RJ's out probably for a few more games uh with his finger. Jalen Brunson, he's missed the past couple games. And I don't even know when Obi Toppin's coming back. Um, so I guess the injuries are mounting. The rotation's already real slim. What do you guys uh, think? Of, like, how is this going to impact this team moving forward? How they're going? Like, obviously, we saw them not be able to close out games and losing some games as a result of this. But do you think there's a roster shakeup because of all these injuries where they kind of make a, a gut reaction move or something like that? So we got Go ahead, Doug. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, um, well, um, I think that it's been really some. Here's the funny thing about being a fan of a Tom Thibodeau team is that like when somebody gets hurt, I, I, and I'm so sorry, Alex, I'm going to just keep hammering this guy. That's just the kind of fan that I am. But like when somebody gets hurt, it's kind of messed up. My reaction is always like, oh, interesting, because now I'll be able to like see another look for this team. And it's been tantalizing to see Emmanuel quickly play an excellent, excellent um, starting point guard. Uh, first of all, I think that's been really interesting and, and reveals that this team has a lot of depth and a lot of upside in its young players. And that's the best thing that I've taken away from the first, um, you know, what are we 19 and 18? That's uh, 37 games of the season is that there's a lot of upside in the younger players on this team. Um, now, as far as like what's going on with the rotation, we're in the situation where Evan Fournier is playing again. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm personally, I don't hate Evan Fournier. He's an extremely limited player, um, but he's a good shooter still. And he's hit some big shots in the Houston game yesterday. Um, but th th that's not what we need. We don't need Evan Fournier right now. What we need is a, is a player with the skill profile of Cam Reddish. Um, and I think that, this team needs to resolve that situation because these injuries are going to keep popping up. Mitch, it, it, there's another one around the corner for Mitch, I fear, um, any day now, which sucks. Julius had a scare knocking knees the other night. Uh, I forget, was that the, that was the San Antonio game, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a concern. It's a concern. And like, you have a deep team. So either you open your coach up to playing guys that are further down the depth chart, like your Svima looks or, or your Cam Reddishes, or you do something. And that's also my biggest criticism about Leon Rose in his tenure. I think he's done a fantastic job of keeping bullets in the chamber for, for moves for this team, because I don't think they're ready to make a massive move. Um, you don't want to end up like Minnesota. You don't want to end up like Chicago. You where you overplay your hand and, and you're stuck. Um, but like, sometimes I'm like, okay, so you're going to trade Cam Reddish and you don't want to play him. So he won't get hurt. But like, how long do we have to do that? And how many players have to go down before we reevaluate that position with Cam Reddish? You know what I mean? And I don't, I'm not the kind of person that thinks Cam Reddish is, is a 
is a world beating player that we're just not allowing to play, but I do think he could help. So when the injuries pile up, where's the flexibility and, and where is the uh, assertiveness from the front office to add a piece to this rotation um, that will take some of the pressure off of these guys and, and let them have some time to freshen their legs up. I'm glad Jalen Brunson and RJ are resting because they're going to come back and have juice. You know, they're going to have spring again. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's a blessing in disguise, but now we have to tread water uh, without them for a little while. Yeah, I totally agree, Doug. The, um, I think the, the whole thing about you know having having players that are just ready to step in and Cam seems like the perfect uh, fit and I th- I think that um, you know the whole holding them out for trade sort of thing doesn't really hold much uh, I mean I, th- I think that's likely to be the main reason why he is out but you know it's not like as if you're gonna do some sort of superstar trade with Cam Reddish as the centerpiece. Do you know Like, <laughs> do you know, it's like we, we don't need to wrap him in cotton wool. You know, it's if That's he, how if we're going to get down, Anthony Edwards, man. What are you talking about? Yeah. It's, <laughs> oh my it's God. like, um, you know, they've. I think they were probably doing the same thing with Phoney, but they brought Phoney back in under desperation. You're like, well, why can't they do the same with Cam? I, I, I agree with that. Um, the only thing is, I, I um, I think we we were we've been calling for for Sri to to get to get a few minutes uh, recently. Um, I think the Knicks really lack that kind of sharpshooter off the bench. Um, I actually hope that from way back that Fournier could 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 um, become that as well. You know, but we did try him at that kind of sixth man role. It just didn't seem to work at all. It seemed a really awkward fit. Um, I think I think it would be brilliant just to have somebody like Svi who we know is defensive limitations, but we know that you're gonna get, you know, that regular um, shooting production from the bench, um, which is very severely lacking in the last few months. So, um, yeah, I just I find the whole situation really odd at the moment. It's been going on for so long now. It just it just it does need to be sorted one way or the other, whether it's via trade or. I kind of let some of these guys back in. Um, the only thing I'd say against that, I mean, the the whole nine man rotation thing was working so well with the with the on the run that we had, but yeah, I mean, the guys just look absolutely uh, gassed at the moment. Um, they just they do need some, you know. It's fine, just keep a nine man rotation, but give give a couple of guys some rest, you know, and and bring another guy in if if that's the way you want to run the rotation. So. Yeah, I think it, the, there's possibly more to the Cam Reddish thing than just holding him out for trade. Maybe there's, you know, he's he's not pulling his weight in practice, which is something that's been rumored for a long time, even back to his Hawks days. So, um, which is never gonna, um, never gonna work for a Tibbs team. So, I think it's possibly just due to that their relationships maybe deteriorated to the point where he just doesn't want to play him. So, um, they just got to try and find a home for him. Can I, can I share just a quick interesting anecdote about the game yesterday that I heard? Um, the homie Jay Nicky on Twitter, great, yeah. great Knicks Twitter follower. He was at the game and he said that there were some Knicks fans in his section that were saying, like chanting for Cam Reddish. And apparently Cam Reddish Cam stood Reddish. up and was like, chill, stop. <laughs> <laughs> chill or Tips is going to eat my, uh, my head off, uh, bite my head off. I mean, we're talking about injury concerns. Let's focus on Cam Reddish and Evan Fournier. Who of the two is more prone to have an injury? 
uh, well, historically, it's Cam Reddish. So I'm trying to uh, to be logical here for once. And uh, I understand that Cam is the one being protected because he is injury prone or more injury prone than Evan Fournier. But looking at a, a team, looking at our team, when a guy like uh, uh, RJ Barrett uh, is sidelined, looking at Fournier or Cam, obviously Cam is the next in line. It has to be because the, the skill set is similar and the, st- the play style is similar. If it was Grimes going down, I would say Fournier makes more sense than Cam because the shooting and uh, not about the defense, obviously, but the shooting at least and uh, the, the style of uh, of play. It is a weird situation, and I, I don't think it's up only up to Tibbs uh, with the, the, the Cam uh, situation or even the Fournier or Rose and, is it? I think it's a bit different, but I think it's it's the the Leon and uh, Roy West as well. Just thinking, okay, let's sit him. Let's find try and find the the, the best uh, trade available. But we need the best trade available, but we also need that trade to happen because mm-hmm. we need that that thing that because we are lacking uh, in a way because we we have our death, but we're not playing our death. That's not death. That's players there, and other the after those guys, after Fournier, Rose, and uh, Cam, two of them. Well, one of them is not playing. It's Svai. It's uh, uh, Archidiakono, Strefer Keels. I forgot about him as well. Like the the other uh, Montero is it as well. I mean, they're they're not rotation pieces. So we need to have those guys who are ready to to come in and can play defense because none of those guys, uh, uh, Fournier, or Rose, they're not bringing their weight on defense. Rose has dropped a bit, a, a lot on, on defense. I think that's why he ultimately went down, went out of the rotation. But that, I think that we need to, well, to solve it, who are we trading away? Is it quickly? I think it's 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 hard. The fans would kill the front office trading quickly now. Is it Obi? He seems like the most likely candidate, uh, candidate to do that, but he's injured. And uh, so he was injured for three weeks. Uh, it's been three weeks and we still have we still don't know when he's returning so might be the injury might be a little worse um Brunson has been giving us scares like every two games or every game so he, he went down and like finally dude come on just he's been playing through everything uh imaginable RJ got a freak injury um Mitch is Mitch. We don't know if he's jumping for the rebound and when coming back down, he's uh, broken a, a, an ankle again or whatever. So it's uh, uh, it's concerning when you don't have the death or the death death ready to play in uh, in that situation. So I think a trade is needed. I mean, we need to because well, injuries are a part of the game and they will keep coming. Uh, one two one week, two weeks. It's uh, it's it's part of the game. Yeah. The cam stuff. I think the way I'm looking at it, guys, is is that it's not even about the player. It's about the number. Like, the number, which be which is Cam's salary, is tradable regardless of the player because it's an expiring rookie deal. Evan, you got to kind of talk a team into wanting to take on the remaining money on that, right? Because it's a decent amount of salary and there's another year. So – I think that's probably why Evan gets the nod before Cam because they feel like, well, we just got to carry water until the deadline. And then who isn't going to take the, take a flyer on a rookie deal expiring contract guy. Right. 
So there's no rush to kind of trade him. I mean, I don't really agree with the philosophy, but I think that's probably the thinking. And as you get these injuries happening to me, the OB injury is really hurting a lot right now because I'm sorry, I, this Sims Hartenstein front court in off the bench is not working, man. And hideous, hideous. So bad. And, you know, Hartenstein has just looked real bad. He's out of position, out of, out of his role that he should have uh, been when he got here. You know, Alex, you and I were kind of going back and forth about that the other day. And, that's where you really miss Obi, you know, regardless of how you feel about OBV Randall and all that stuff, you, you know, you got to know that this having Obi as that backup four is going to, is infinitely better than having this Sims Hartenstein situation. Um, so I think that's really where these injuries are starting to hurt because yeah, Brunson's out, you know, quickly has been able to fill in admirably. RJ's out. Yeah. It hurts, but a lot of these young guys are picking up the slack and it's not, this tremendous drop off, but Obi being out is just this offense just becomes incredibly so much more stagnant with the second unit. Uh, you lose the dimension of him as a three point shooter and as a rim running fast break outlet pass guy. And that's really where you see like the struggles of this team where it's hard to, for them to score points and, and they go through scoring droughts or there's just bad shot selection and all this bad stuff. And, but to you guys' point, you know, injuries are part of the game. And you got these guys on your bench. They're doing nothing. Like, throw Svee in there for a little bit. See what he has. Try and trade Cam and get something. Like, we've been talking about for weeks, guys, about getting a serviceable three-point shooting wing that we can throw into this rotation to back up RJ. And we don't really have that. You know, even when... And the team was at full strength. You were still having McBride coming in to, to fill that role. I mean, he's limited, right? We know that. We saw him against Houston. I don't know, what was he, like 0 for 8 from 3 or something like that. It was real bad. And he, it's just not in his repertoire right now, except when he's in Westchester. When he's in Westchester, they start going in. So, you know. Um, but, you know, it's just it's part talking of the game. About sorry, just talking about Westchester. Yeah. You mentioned Montero, Rafa. I don't think he's ever been seen. He's not on the Westchester roster anymore. I think it was after Summer League. He's never... I don't, I don't know he's if he's been cut been... or whatever. I don't know, man. He's got yeah. to be balling in the Chinese League is what's, is what's going on, you know, so... Throwing you know, alley-oops to Dwight Howard. You know, got to be over there backcourt with Eric Bledsoe, dropping 50 pieces. <laughs> Could be worse, uh, man. It's the worst hey, fates for an NBA player. <laughs> I tell you, man, making making some money, scoring some buckets, nothing wrong with that at all. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, yeah, the Dwight stuff's crazy. He just turned into, like, Giannis, basically, over there. It's just crazy. Uh, it shows you the talent gap between the NBA and, and the rest of the world in, in terms of leagues outside of uh, FIBA. But, um, so let's uh, go into a little bit in depth into Obi Toppin. Uh, talked a little bit briefly here about his injury. So he's been out with a few, a few weeks now with a knee injury. Uh, like you had mentioned, Rafa, those, that time has passed. There's still no timetable for his return, which is alarming if Sorry. you're if you're an Obi fan. But it's also fodder for conspiracy theorists, you know, <laughs> to kind of like, oh, are they cooking up a trade, and that's why they're they're holding them out type thing. Well, the the Twitterverse has uh, blessed us with a rumor, and that rumor is that the Knicks are in talks with the Pacers to send uh, Obi Toppin to Indiana. I see Doug already; he's already like, "Oh God, here we here we fucking go." I don't want to talk about this, but um, you know, 
just real quick before I throw it over to you, Doug, you know, the, the fit, you know, you can see it with the, with the way this young Pacers team plays. Um, some Nick fans out there making assumptions that we would get Halliburton or Benedict Matherin in the deal, which is lunacy. You know, the, uh, yeah, exactly. No way. We're probably getting O'Shea Brissett, uh, in a second round pick. Uh, but, uh, Doug, I'll throw it over to you. What's your reaction to the rumors that there's an OB trade to Indiana in the offing? And if it does happen, what would you expect that package to look like? Okay. First of all, all the response from Nick's Twitter to this rumor has been how amazing the fit would be for the Indiana Pacers. <laughs> okay. And with the amount of trauma that that fucking organization has put me through in my life, I could care less about okay. how wonderful of a fit it would be for Obi Toppin. It would be exciting for my league past nights, but like, dude, stop. Think about how excellent Obi Toppin is and how much potential he has as an NBA player and get serious for a second. Um, I don't, I don't think, first of all, well, it's important when you're having any OB conversation to talk about Julius Randle. Um, and he deserves an extraordinary amount of credit for the way he's been playing this year. I have so many issues with his play style and his role in the organization, but I've recently come to the conclusion that like it, it sort of is what it is. And like, the fact is that he's outplaying his contract value um, by a fair amount with the way he's been scoring the ball. Um, and it's it, I, I can't spend the rest of this season taking away, like looking for reasons to shit on Julius Randle because he's been excellent. Um, and he's been frankly, all-star an all-star caliber player. Um, so that brings us back to Obi, which is like, he's an, he, he, he would thrive as a starter. He thrived as a starter at the end of last year. Um, I, I, this situation is very unfortunate um, that the Knicks have found themselves in. And I wonder, I ask the question, like when I take my emotions out of it, my, my emotions are like, I've loved Obi Toppin's attitude and energy since he walked into Madison square garden. But my rational brain is saying like, how are we maximizing the assets on this roster? How are we maximizing our eighth overall pick? Uh, it's a limited role that he's in. Does, is that is that a better role? And I'm not saying trade Obi for Jay Crowder, but like, is Jay Crowder better suited for that role given the fact that Julius Randle plays these like extremely like large amount of minutes and never, ever gets hurt? Um, so what Chris Duarte is interesting to me when you're when you're looking at a Pacers package. Um, but I'm not interested, frankly, in, in a deal with Indiana that significantly upgrades their roster because then it just continues to put more weapons on a squad that is like, you want to compete with them. You don't want to help them be better than you. So I, if we're taking a significant piece back, it's not going to be Halliburton. It's not going to be Matherin. They would be insane to trade either of those players, um, because they're ex ex having extraordinary years and and project to be all stars, both of them. Um, but Duarte is interesting to me because the, because you you have a lot of skill, a New York native for a New York native, um, and you have a lot of shooting and and shot creation skill that this team currently doesn't have. Um, so if you are saying, look, Julius is here. He's on. A, we're not getting a. We're not getting calls about him that are interesting to us to entertain, um, because we really need to be blown out of the water uh, to trade Julius Randle. 
I don't know if I agree with that stance, but that seems to be what the stance is. Um, yeah, I wonder. I wonder, like, if if somebody offers something really enticing and really valuable for Obi Toppin, ultimately you could maximize his value by making that deal while still filling his role in the rotation because it's not a very big role all told. I want him to have a bigger role, but it's not a big role. So, uh, you know, I don't know if there's credence to the rumor. It might just be completely made up. But um, it seems to me the tea leaves seem to be telling us that quickly or Toppin might not be here to finish the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, Duarte is the obvious target for me. Uh, I think that's where this has all come from. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping again um, that the Miles Turner thing's been put to bed. Um, never really, never really liked him um, for this team, and especially on the contract he's on and will probably be looking for because I think he's, is I think he's due for extension possibly. I think he. I think the last time we talked about him, anyway, he was he had a pretty short contract left. But the um, Duarte is an interesting one. I know that the Knicks were all over him at the draft. Um, they really wanted to 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 go for him at the draft and didn't get him. So the you know they they've they've got that there. We know that they're interested in him. So he seems like the obvious target. I, I agree that Halliburton and Matherin are off the table. I don't think that's even you know a, a conversation. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think yeah, possibly the time uh, to move on uh, from Obi. You know, he's gonna he's gonna need extended in a year or so. I don't think I don't see the. I think Julie uh, Randall's here for the long term, and you know, I don't think that situation's ever gonna really resolve itself to the to the place where everybody's happy, uh, with what they've got. So, um, I think it's maybe if we can get a, as I say a good deal. I, I'm not up for trading him for nothing. Uh, I think. Um, maybe in the summer or even next year, uh, something something will still be there if we if we did want to trade them before the extension. So, um, I think. Um, but yeah, if there's a deal there for him, I think I think they'll go for it. You know, just for a position that's that's needing a little bit more. Um, you know, strengthening. Um, um, although as soon as you take Obi out, that power forward spot. Then again, is is Hartenstein your 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 backup now? Do you know that the this is a difficult thing? Um, so uh, I think it's a, it's a it's a tricky one. I, I I'm not I'm not a massive Obi fan. I've never have been. Um, I think he's very limited as a player. Um, and but you know I I do see I, I do see his benefit. Um, but I just I just think that. You know, it's it's just too stacked a position. I think um, I think Randall's always going to win out with this with this uh, regime. So um, I think yeah, if we can get a deal from then then we should seriously look at it. So I don't know much about Duarte though as as a player. I don't watch many Pacers games as you say, Doug. Not not a particularly favorite team of mine. So um, all, all I see is what the little clips on YouTube and things like that um, on Twitter. So. They are a fun ass league pass team, I will say. They're yeah. really, really fun to watch. Yeah, you know, Alberton was is playing good. Extra- he had an extraordinary Amen. game against the Clippers yesterday. I mean, he won the game basically yeah. by himself. Yeah. I, I I just want to say one quick thing, Rafa, before you jump in. I urge Nick fans in general to uh, 
accept the reality of the situation that we live in as Knicks fans with this front office and with the paradigms of Thibodeau and Leon Rose and think about how this team maximizes existing in that world rather than continuing to do what I did for a long time, which is run into the like, I would do this thing completely differently if I were them. So, so, so when you, when you're asking questions about guys like Obi and quickly like live in their reality and think about like, what's the best thing they're going to do in their reality. There you go. You've, you've been, uh, you've been cleared medically to be a Knicks fan, <laughs> but it's to, to, to your point, Doug, you mentioned that you can talk about Obi Toppin without somewhat in some way mention Julius Randall. I have said this multiple times. I will say it again. When we drafted Obi Toppin, there was no one dreamed that Julius Randall would have this kind of growth. Because he did, he he had the, the first. Looking at the first season he had here, the spin move of doom. It's that season was oh what the hell are we watching? I'm getting dizzy here, and even last year with the thumbs down, he had a solid solid season, solid numbers, and he changed the way he he played. He, he, RJ got a bigger role in the team, and he adapted to Jalen Brunson having a bigger role in the team as well with. Uh, Arjun, he's still getting 30. If he's not getting 30, he's getting 12, 13 rebounds. He's playing for the team defensively. He is not the greatest defensively, but at least he's showing effort. He was jumping into the ground to grab some some uh, uh, some rebounds or loose balls. So we got that on Randall, and well, it sucks for Obi, but he is the guy. Okay, that guy is playing great in my position. Can I give you uh, uh, 30, 10, uh, or 30, 15, and 5 every night? Uh, for a stretch probably not i mean he, he will stagger a bit maybe he, he he will be that player in the future but as, as well he, randall doesn't get injured if randall got injured for a couple of uh two two, two weeks injury or three weeks injury or a month or whatever obi playing more maybe he could have seen what obi is doing but when you're playing through randall and he's playing and you're winning games with him some of you're losing some games with it as well, but it's a tough situation for him. And uh, when you get as well, when you get so many draft picks coming into same uh, a couple of years, you need to choose. And apparently, they chose RJ and Grimes to move forward with uh, Robinson as well, Mitchell Robinson. And yeah, when the moment they brought Brunson in, it was clear that they didn't look as quickly as a solution for the right now to to elevate this team so it's a tough situation for quickly if he wants a bigger role if he wants to be a starter somewhere else he's probably going somewhere else as well with obi toppin we discussed in the beginning of the season that we don't believe obi toppin will get into the end of the season uh middle end of the season as a nick or trade deadline as a nick now i believe that he's the the guy can be moved we, we, to get a... Uh, if Randall's playing 35 minutes a game, 36, uh, where, where does Obi fit? Obi at the five? If, if Sims wants minutes as well, it's it's too crowded for him. Uh, and uh, nobody loves the Pacers here. It's the Pacers. Fuck them. But if you give a, a guy like Obi topping to them because it's a better fit, and, if, and you get Duarte back, he's a good fit for you as well. He's a, he's a solid defender. He can shoot the three. So he's what we we were asking. Maybe a better fit. They get better. 
but maybe we get better as well. And I hope that it's not in the future in the conference final. It's not Obi Toppin hitting the three to send us home, but it's Duarte doing that to the Pacers. Just just <laughs> throwing it out there, just because it's it's the Knicks and it's the universe. So yeah, and thing, I just a conspiracy theory I have right now. I I'm creating shit. I'm creating shit right here. We are been for months. We've been talking about how we we are going to make a trade with the Lakers. Now it's about with the Pacers. For months, the Lakers want to trade with the Pacers. So maybe some mm. way, shape, or form, this is a three-team deal, three deal going around here. You see, we get Obi somewhere. Fournier goes to fucking Lakers with Miles Turner or Buddy Hill or whatever. The, the players go around and we get the the, the, the rotation we may need. Get, maybe we get Duarte because we're sending Obi to, to, um, to Indiana. A few picks go here and there. We have a lot of picks to give. So maybe a three-team deal can be, if not directly, maybe moving things uh, like the, the next day. Just throwing this out there as well. So I'm throwing things out there right, right now. Throw Maybe. Against the wall, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought he was going to say Westbrook was coming. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not. I'm not throwing that out there. I'm not Westbrook. Oh, no. I mean, Jeez. yeah. The the Lakers I mean, might just need to maybe, swallow that pill, right? You know, with with Westbrook. Maybe the 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 the, the, the Pacers t- take him. I don't know. Like he's the guys playing with him for another se- another season. They're growing. They're going to give Alberton the the. the the keys with Matherin and Obi, or it's, it's just to say he's a, a pacer now. Maybe he, they take um, Westbrook and they get rid of Buddy Hield and uh, uh, Turner. But they're a playoff team, so I don't know if they're going to want to get rid of those players. That's the thing, right? Like people are acting like the Pacers are the Hornets, like they're at 10 and 27 or something like that. They're 20 and 17. They're the sixth seed in the East right now. They're trying to make the playoffs. Like that's very much in play for them and if you looked at their for the fit questions obi topping is traded he's their starting power forward immediately because right now they're starting neesmith you know and sorry obi topping is a better player than neesmith so and to you guys's point about they're not getting rid of their core guys you know they're not getting rid of halliburton or matherin probably not even buddy healed uh at that at that rate so you're getting you're inserting him right you're inserting him into your starting lineup you know, that's only going to bolster the Pacers. And unless we're getting a Duarte or whatever, you really want to consider it. But for people who are, I know a lot of people are upset about the idea of Obi being traded. Um, the thing is, if he gets traded, that's when he gets his chance to really shine because of the Julius Randle thing. Like you mentioned, Doug, it's the two are inextricably linked because Obi was in as, essentially drafted as Julius's replacement because they're like, oh, this shit didn't work. And then he has the career of his, the season of his, of his life and, you know, leads the team to the four seed. And now he's playing well again. And like his last like five, six, seven games have been like the, from a numbers perspective have been insane. And if you really want Obi to get time, it's going to be on another team that needs a starting power forward. And I think that quickly right now with the way he's filled in for Brunson is really positioning himself as this as the guy that they should keep versatile guard who's you know he's put on weight he's become a better defender this year yeah the shot comes and goes but you know he's still a reliable guard off the bench or spot starter as he's proven 
uh, these past couple of games uh, filling in for Jalen Brunson. So when it comes to Obi and the uh, whether it's the Pacers, whether he's part of a deal to the Suns, whoever the whatever the case may be, whoever is going to be looking for him, that's probably going to need to happen for him to get starting level minutes because it really seems like you mentioned, Doug, thinking how this front office is thinking. They're tight, locked into Julius right now. He has a lot of years left on that deal. He He's playing really well right now. Like you mentioned, a little bit better than his, his contract number indicates. And if you're Obi Toppin, that's probably what you want, ultimately, right? Like, you want to get get an opportunity to play 30 minutes a night somewhere. And if you, th- if you think about maximizing value of players on this team, it's kind of like this is the year to do something with the rookie contracts, Reddish, um, you quickly top in and, and if Randall puts in another year or two of excellent all-star level play at the rate he's at, you're looking at a massive return for him at some point down the line. It's frustrating sometimes to swallow the pill of like, he gets massive usage, uh, and it doesn't look pretty a lot of the time, but if the production keeps up, the contract looks good. And the contract draws like a Vucevic level package um, and return at a certain point. Um, So they just have to, I worry about the front office. They is what I meant with the front office is like, do they have an organized plan of how they're dealing with all these deals and all these uh, minutes that are sort of like a lot of mouths to be fed with, with, with the talent that's here. Um, Cause it's all good talent and none of it is great talent. Um, but yeah, I feel like I, I was like, I was such a, like a trade Randall for a bag of chips guy for the longest time. And now I'm seeing why that's not a great take ultimately. And it's not, he, he has gone out of his way to make that a stupid take. Yeah, at the end of the day, he's played well. And I know a lot of people, a lot of Knicks fans like to validate the narrative, validate the opinion. But, you know, the guy's been balling. Um, the people who, like, people who were, had the opinion about Jalen Brunson being overpay, they got humbled relatively quickly. You know, it happens all the time. You know, we come up with opinions. You know, sometimes we're proven right, sometimes we're proven wrong. You know, it is what it is. Um, I do want to pivot into our last topic here, which is uh, kind of a little bit of a different topic. Uh, which is talking a little bit about Jersey retirement. So recently, uh, Cavs big man Kevin Love was interviewed, and they asked him if he thinks that Kyrie Irving's number should be retired as a Cavalier. And his reasoning was, get the biggest shot in Cavs history. Absolutely, he should be his number should be retired. Uh, so it led me to thinking, who that's been on the Knicks in the last twenty years, or who's on the team right now potentially? do you guys see could have their number retired? Of course, the last uh, Nick player to have his number retired is Patrick Ewing, uh, the number 33 in the banners there. So, Doug, who you got? I think, for me, this is a bit of a sentimental choice, mm-hmm. but the number seven should be retired for Carmelo Anthony mm-hmm. because the the ultimately not, not as much success as even Patrick brought to this team but the willingness to take the heat and and to say, listen, I'm going to elevate this team and play hurt and take big shots uh, and take take pressure and crossfire from media and, and fans. Uh, 
and just represent the team and and accept everything that comes with putting this jersey on. I think the number seven should ultimately be retired at some point. Um, I also think that maybe someday the number 77 will be retired at Madison Square Garden uh, because once we trade uh, everybody and, and amass enough picks to make a big deal for Luka Doncic, we're going to have to retire his jersey. Um, and I'm just going to go take another hit of my opium pipe and I will be right back. <laughs> yeah, Alex, I mean, uh, <laughs> Melo's the obvious choice, Doug. Yeah, the, um, I was just going to ask, um, how would you feel about a, a farewell tour deal for Melo, either this year or next? It's so It's so interesting. The possibility is so interesting to me because he has been successful in the exact role that the Knicks need. Like I would much rather have Carmelo Anthony than Jay Crowder for sentimental reasons. But I actually think Carmelo Anthony's late career rebirth, like after he was out of the, fell out of the league and was on Houston and then whatever bounced around when he got to Portland and then the Lakers, he filled the role quite well that the Knicks need. So it would be fun he was seen out to dinner with Jim Dolan in the offseason. He was at the Garden a few nights ago. The problem is, like, can you really ask Carmelo Anthony to be a role player in a Knicks jersey? I don't know. Like, I think he would accept it. But, like, Jim Dolan wants to sell tickets, bro. Like, he wants this to be, like, if he's bringing Melo in, I would think that he would want it to be the Melo show. So basketball-wise, I think it fits. I think it would be a shitload of fun um, and really good for Julius Randle specifically to have Carmelo Anthony be like, yo, this is how you can maximize you know, your isolations, um, get some improve your footwork, uh, inc- improve your ball control, uh, improve your shot form. A really good those point. are all the things that, that Melo has been excellent at his entire career. Um, if it were if, – if you said – if you said to me the Knicks are trading Obi Toppin for a first round pick and Chris Duarte and they're signing Carmelo Anthony, that all happened tomorrow. I would say that yes, would be a, a really fun rest of the year. That would be yeah. a really fun rest of the season. So it's just a matter of like, does the organization have the, if they were ever to go there and I'm not saying they will, do they have the discipline to not just be like, oh, let's just play mellow like 40 minutes every night and let him take 20 shots and like make this the mellow show. Do they have the discipline to really allow him to be a role player? And has it ever happened before that like a guy who was once a super duper star for a team comes back as like a reduced role bench player? I can't think of an example off the top of my head, but it, it's 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 tant- it's a tantalizing possibility, especially because you could just sign him outright. You don't need to make any trades to make it happen. You just be like, yo, Mello, veteran minimum, you're in orange and blue tomorrow. That could just happen, just like that. So if you ask me, I think it would be a hell of a lot of fun, just me personally. The only example that comes to mind, Doug, is Scotty Pippen when he came back to the Bulls in like 04. Mm-hmm. With that, with that young Kevin Garnett. Yeah, KG. KG is a really good example of that, too. Yeah, with Minnesota. Definitely. I saw uh, LeBron to the Heat rumor today. Obviously, obviously LeBron wouldn't come off the bench, but I'm just doing it. Can can we get something straight, Miami Heat fans? (laughs) You you always have 
a worse deal than the Knicks. Your deal is never everybody for the next 10 years because of what you've done to get Kyle Lowry. Your deal is never going to beat the Knicks deal. So stop it. Stop it. If if, if the Lakers are going to trade LeBron James in the offseason, which is a, something else that I heard, the Knicks, I think, will be at at the front of the line. And I that's it. Like, mate, let's not even go. That's, that's like not even hour we can just that, talk okay. about that. But like, I, I need Heat fans to understand that you have nothing. You have nothing to offer. Nobody's going to be moved by your trade package. Well, you'll want Duncan Robinson twenty twenty nine protected first. <laughs> but then, then you know Pat Riley's going to just like murder all your family and things like that if you don't accept. So you just you've you've got you've got to do it. We'll I mean, see. Just we'll a small, see. small question. You can only pick one. Mallow back or LeBron trade to the Knicks, obviously. LeBron mm. or Mallow? Like, sentimentally, it's Mallow. Dude, right. I was... When people talked on Twitter about Mallow returning to the Knicks, I was like, eh, nah, it's okay. Christmas Day, I saw him on TV and MSG was like, bring this man back. Fuck it. Bring him back. Play him 48 minutes. I don't care. Dude, just play Mallow back. Sentimentally, I want Mellow back. It's it. It's all. It's done. It's it's a thing. But Jersey retirements. Is there any other player than Mellow the last twenty years that can do can do, can be uh, in the conversation? And I understand. It, looking at a, a Knicks standpoint, you you brought it. Uh, the last guy was uh, Patrick Ewing. No one uh, else from that team made it, which is. Okay, but it's like in the perspective of the, the, the front office and everything, uh, and Dolan and it's uh, everybody, you are retiring a number from a guy whose only accolades as a Nick was a conference final loss. That's it. And this is what you're, I know I, I would do it. He would be already there to seven. I don't care. But as a, you're looking at it that, Mallow went to the playoffs twice or, th or three, two or three times. Uh, he's the one memory from Mallow from the playoffs other than the Roy Hibbert block. <laughs> there you go. It's like, so I understand yeah, some, some, some fans are. <laughs> oh my God. Um, but so, yeah, I, I understand it in a, uh, the reluctant there is, there is to, Mallow be a Hall of Famer. I think he should a Hall of Famer now. Oh my God. Uh, he, as well, he should be a, a Hall of Famer, but retired uh, Knicks jersey, I think he should. But I understand the problems. And uh, uh, the only guy I, I see is in the future staying with the Knicks forever, RJ Barrett, will be a retired as well. That number oh, nine yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's done. It's written in the stars. Yeah. The I mean, RJ, world. in terms of the current Knicks, is probably your best bet. Uh, just because drafted by the team, if he gets any modicum of success as a primary option, he's going to be uh, in the rafters there. Um, obviously, this isn't this is beyond 20 years ago, but I do think Bernard King's numbers should have been retired uh, long overdue, which, of course, is what Alex is wearing tonight. Um, Mello's out the obvious answer. And it, it brings up to me, guys, a, a interesting discussion over what what do you retire a number for? You know, like, is the requisite having a championship or is it more so impact? You know, that's kind of 
I think it depends on the type of franchise you are. And the Knicks is a team that's coming up on, well, I think this year is 50, 50 years now of not winning one. Your, you know, your, uh, your bar has to change a little bit, which is why Patrick got in. Obviously he had two finals appearances, not wins, but um, yeah, I think from the last 20 years, Melo's the only real option. Um, current Knicks, it's probably RJ, like, like we've mentioned, um, you know, unless, unnamed superstar who is to be traded for in the near future that wears number 77 like you said like you mentioned doug Halliburton. Uh, <laughs> i and i also have to say it i have to say it julius randall will have been on this team for i think eight seasons if he plays this contract out here so it's a long time there's you longer know, i think that mellow is here he's on he's gonna to say what i think 10. oh my god i'm i'm gonna say if the Knicks can win a championship with Randall on the roster, which is like I would bet my house that that's not going to happen. Uh, then he would deserve it. Yeah, I mean, right now, sorry, Julius. I have to apologize to him every day. Like I find myself <laughs> just be like, "I'm sorry, dude." It's like, tough. I it's tough. You, my bad. It's tough. No, like you look at if the Knicks win a title, I think there's going to be more than one going up in the rafters. I think. Yeah, <laughs> the whole fifteenth <laughs> Fima Kylooks jersey of the rafters too. Every you know? the entire <laughs> roster is getting retired. But no, like if you look at it, like if Julius's point totals as a Nick, like he's on pace to crack the top ten for franchise leaders in points. You know, so which is crazy to think about. You know, which probably speaks to. A deeper rooted issue in the franchise but you know it's... yeah that's that's what i was going you look uh, evan fournier who's out of the rotation because he's no good beat a record last year and even that didn't save him so it tells it, it's a telling story of how the knicks have been uh, uh yeah it's terrible. indicative of the pressure right oh that mm-hmm. that comes with being a yeah, pressure yeah that's it that's yeah. why i think mel is a cl- like they eventually need to give it to him because it because you're coming of off it. of some of the lowest most miserable points that this franchise has ever been. And, and when, since Mello came to the Knicks, it hasn't been good, but it's never been as bad as it was. And the situation that was, this team found itself in four or five seasons before it's never been that low since. So he brought a good amount of respectability to the franchise. And like, the world was able to see what it looked like when Madison Square Garden was just freaking rocking again. When because you know there's there wasn't any signature moments, but I I was a I was at the um, Celtics Knicks game two in 2013, and that's the loudest the Garden has ever been that I've been there, and I've been going there you know for 30 years. I've been going to Madison Square Garden, and, and when Melo knocked in a couple of big threes later in that game, the the, the place was shaking. So. Like Dirk Nowitzki was the latest guy to get a statue, right? In, in, in the latest athlete in, in American sports to get a statue erected in front of his arena. Beautiful statue, by the way. And that's an obvious, that's a layup one because the, that's their Mavs. The Mavs, that's the Mavs champion. It's Dirk Nowitzki. Mm-hmm. For us, it's different. For us, it's like the slow, arduous climb back. And Melo did a lot of pushing up that, you know, proverbial hill. So that that's that's the paradigm i think we need to be evaluating players from so you guys heard it here first mellow jersey retirement coming in the next five years you know book it um i'll be in the building there you go there you go 
Uh, let's uh, let's do a little game picks real quick, uh, Doug. Every week we like to predict the team's games for their up for the upcoming week. So this week got two home games, one road tilt. Uh, so at home against Phoenix and San Antonio, get to see them again, and on the road in Toronto. So let the guests go first, Doug. How do you think they're going to do this week? The Phoenix question is real. That's the most difficult game to predict because they're not going to have Devin Booker. Um, but I just feel like campaign always beats our shit in every single time he comes to the garden. Um, so I'm going to go, unfortunately tomorrow, that's a 3 PM game fans. Uh, I think that's going to be an L. I think that there's going to be enough shot, um, three point shot making. That's going to be really difficult for us to win that game, especially with no Brunson. Uh, I do think at home we are going to beat the shit out of the Spurs because if they don't take that game personally and get to work early, uh, beating the crap out of that bad team, then they should be ashamed of themselves. So I think that's going to be a W. And I just think that this team is not really ever going to solve the Toronto Raptors <laughs> as currently constituted. So I think we're going one and two this week. I'll go... <laughs> Slightly more positive, but I'll, I'll go two and one. Um, I, I, I know the Suns are struggling a bit at the minute. Um, um, I think we, yeah, with so the then... hmm? so yeah. are you struggling? So it's oh. yeah, that's true. The uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, with Booker out, I'll, I'll, I'll be positive with that one and take a win, and then. I never, never, ever uh, bet the Knicks to beat the Raptors, whether it's home or on the road. So um, I'll take that as a loss. And I agree, yeah, the Spurs are getting smashed um, one way or the other. Yeah, so two two and one, I'll go. I mean, last week, uh, I saw myself and uh, Doug talking about the Spurs game because that's exactly, maybe a little worse, that's exactly what I said about the, the, the Mavs game. And that ended in tears. So I don't know. The it's 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 a toss, man. I mean, I don't know. Uh, last week I was positive we were going three zero and getting this uh, winning streak back. Uh, right now I don't know. It's uh, the the Spurs game scares me. The the, the Suns game scares me. And uh, the Raptors, it's a loss. If they win one game, I'm saying they they go be a bit positive. Two and one. Okay, they'll beat the, the 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 Spurs and the Suns, and they will lose to the Raptors. Because we're all saying they will lose to the Raptors, they will obviously beat the Raptors. <laughs> there you go. Speaking into were... existence, Rafa, that's that's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, I, I Doug, I think you had it exactly right. Uh, one and two with a win against San Antonio. If you can't beat, or if you lose twice, excuse me, to a team that is very visibly tanking right now, uh, then that's a problem. The last time the Knicks won in Toronto was in 2015. So uh, not great. <laughs> and like you mentioned, Doug, it's real hard for, it seems, for us to be able to solve this riddle of of beating Toronto at any venue, let alone in their building. And uh, I think the Suns game is a toss-up, honestly, without Booker. You know, it's you know it's comes going to come down to making shots, and like it always does. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Was um, uh, you know, it was Monday afternoon games. So they're kind of weird. You know, I feel like for any like early afternoon game with the Knicks, always tend to run a little weird. So you know, we'll see what happens. Hoping for uh, hoping that Rafa and Alex are correct, and me and Doug are wrong. But, agreed. Uh, agreed. Yeah, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, well. 
Doug, thank you so much for joining us, man. Really appreciate it. Uh, always love to have a fellow Nick fan on, on the pod. Uh, Doug, you will notice that we have different music at the beginning and the end of the pod. That is Doug's music. Doug is a musician. Um, so, Doug, if you could just uh, tell people where to find your music, where to find you uh, on social and all that so they can follow you. Cool. Yeah, uh, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Doug Lust, D-U-G-L-U-S-T. Um, that's like my pseudonym. Um, that's the, re- the the name of of the music that you're hearing on the show. I just put out an album called The Dispensary, Volume 1. It's just a lot of beats that I've been making. Some of them have been featured on Nick's Film School and and on other podcasts. Um, so, yeah, that, that you know, check it out on Spotify, all the major streaming, uh, you know, services out there. And I'm always making different kinds of new music. I have a death metal album coming out in the spring. Um, I'm all, I'm all over the place, and I'm always playing in the city, so... Follow me, DM me. Let's talk about the Knicks. I, I love, I love chopping it up with, with Ralph on the Twitter account. I, don't, I hope I'm not doxing you as the one behind the uh, the account. But oh, they know I'm the one. They know. Okay, okay. I'm the one. But that's the best thing. That's the most beautiful thing about being a fan of this team is that like the community is massive and passionate, and you guys are a perfect example of like we just all know what the fuck we're talking about when we talk about the New York Knicks. Because we watch every game three times. Um, <laughs> but thank you guys for having me. Uh, Worldwide Knicks is an awesome show. And it's just so much fun to talk talk Knicks basketball with you guys. Yeah, man. Definitely appreciate you coming on. Uh, you could also follow us on Twitter at Podcast, where you can see Rafa tweeting all sorts of stuff. Interact with Rafa. Talk to Rafa. You know, if you speak Portuguese, holler at him in Portuguese. That That works, too. Uh, if you are if you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Uh, give us a great rating and review on the podcast platforms as well. Doug, thanks again for joining us, Worldwide Knicks. We will catch you guys on the next episode.